0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Right now, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 1. I'm going to ask you, as I often do when we're in familiar territory, please don't disconnect Well, I've already heard this story because I believe we can uncover something tonight with the help of the Lord that can uh, be a ministering agent to all of us. The book of 1 Samuel 22, the Bible says, And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Verse 2 is of this passage of Scripture. Verse 2 is probably one that we're most familiar with. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Amen. And so... I want to, with the help of the Lord tonight, I know we're somewhat familiar, especially um, now we're having read verse number two. We're pretty familiar with what went into the cave. But I want to talk about what came out. And so sometimes we go into things. Amen. But what's really important is what comes out on the other side of those things. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the particular grace that you have given us tonight to be here, what an honor it is to be in your presence. I feel it is a double honor tonight to stand in this pulpit, ask you to just anoint my heart and mind and anoint all of us together. Help us to push back the weariness, perhaps the tiredness from our bodies and bones and ask you, God, to help us today to to lean in and hear these eternal words. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. What has often been referred to as one of the greatest, uh, perhaps, uh, snapshots of the church is, right, of the modern day church, perhaps, is right here in 1 Samuel. And, uh, and so, if we, for just a, a few moments, I want to kind of go back in the story, if we can, and uh, as it begins in, in uh, chapter 21. And find how we got here and uh, it was at a time in David's life that he was running for his life from King Saul. And David had been anointed king, and Saul's reign was coming to an end. He had certainly run aground spiritually. Uh, little doubt in my mind that at, at some point in in all of this that Saul had not become a heretic spiritually and uh, Now, David is the anointed king of the Lord, and Saul is after him. We read uh, more than one account where Saul tried to kill David two times, no less than two times. He threw a dagger at him, and if it had not been for David's uh, shrewdness and the hand of God's mercy upon his life, he would have been killed. David was running for his life. This is not just a little Bible character story and... We're not in vacation Bible school tonight. This is real life. David was running for his life. And uh, Saul was trying everything within his power to destroy him or even have him destroyed. There were many people and many players in this story uh, that led up to uh, where we are in, in this cave. As a matter of fact, at some point, David feigned himself mad. He feigned himself as a lunatic trying to disguise himself, but somebody there in the crowd recognized him, and and uh, so it just seemed that everywhere David went, there were just wanted posters in every town, in every little village, and uh, so it's a long and grinding road, but David winds up in this cave of Adullam, and while in this cave, the Bible says that there were about 400 men, uh, various descriptions of these men. Uh But in the truest sense of the word, this was a uh, a ragtag group of men. There's no doubt about that. Now, I I don't believe that these men and and, um, some history to this helps affirm what I'm about to say. These men did not show up in a caravan. This was not 400 men that just walked into the cave at one time, but they just... Came in to ever how they came in, but they just collected themselves together day by day. More and more men joined the cave. A Dulum's Cave is probably, um, if we were to look at the church, if we could just kind of unveil everything tonight, we're not going to do that, but if we could just kind of pull back the, the cover tonight and, and everybody could just see everybody's dirty past, you can be seated. This is what we would have. This is what you would be able to see. And and every now and then when you get close enough to someone and you see their imperfections, you can get disillusioned by that. But that's why we're here. It's the house of God, the church of God. And it is the mercy of God and the grace of God that has brought all of us to where we are. And I'm thankful for his mercy. And so these men came from everywhere 400 of them they were the bible says in distress in distress they were in debt and they were discontented now they they came into the cave and they weren't there as a mob of men or or uh, with a mob mentality but but they came there for protection they came there because they were drawn to something and that something is very very important and so here they came Uh, All of these men, various backgrounds, every one of them with a story to tell. Uh, They could tell how they got in distress. They could tell how they got in debt. And every one of them could talk about how they became discontented. Every person had a story. And that is not unlike everyone that's here tonight. We could all tell a story of how we wound up where we are and how we wound up in certain areas of our life. But God... Was going to take the impossibility that is on the table. He's going to take the impossibility of this circumstance, and God is going to turn a mighty army of men into, into, into all of these vagabonds. And so the, it, it's a story, it's a, a very interesting story in scripture. Uh, according to our text, if we were to look at verse 1, David came to the cave alone. This started out as a one man show. He came to the cave alone. And then all of a sudden the Bible talks about that David's brethren, his family, then they joined him in this cave, which meant that these also were people that had deserted the leadership of Saul. And now because they walked away from Saul, the instant they made that decision, they are now fugitives. They are now running for their lives as well. But they understood something. They understood that the anointing of God was upon David. They, were, they understood that clearly the hand of God is on David. Now, it doesn't look like God's hand's on David right now. <laughs> there's not a whole lot spiritual, there's not a whole lot godly, there's no robed choir singing in the background, there's no cathedral off in the distance, but God's hand of anointing was upon David. And his family knew that. His brothers knew that. So they linked themselves to the future of the nation because they believed in what God was doing in the life of David. And uh, so many others, as not just his family, but many other people viewed and realized that David was the only hope for their success, that David was where it was all going to, to accumulate. So they came to him. They were in distress. They were all these trouble, all these perils, But it's important for us to not just take a picture of these men in our mind. These men that were in distress, these men that were in debt, and these men that were discontented. If we view them only as that, then we will have the wrong picture of them ultimately. Because I think that we should be able to look beyond where they are and see what they had been. They had not always been in this condition. They had not always been like this, and so David ended up with 400 mighty and valiant men, and uh, that number would only increase in time. So uh, of his mighty men and their leaders, they're listed in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23 that we also can see a list of them in Chronicles 11, which is just a historical uh, recount or an account here of the kings, and so people all around David would, would never have been noticed in history had it not been for their association with him. Amen. All of these men are in for that, for many in most respects are nameless and faceless to us right now and they would not have any recognition at all had it not been for their association to David but that could be said of a lot of us. As a matter of fact, the disciples would probably not be known to us if it had not been for their association with Jesus Christ. Amen, and so we see them because they connected themselves to something that was greater than themselves. Amen, God usually does not call the great and he does not generally call the powerful, but God calls servants. God calls people who has a heart for him and and a willingness to obey and that's what it takes. We can often see our... Uh, the the things that disqualify us are our inabilities. We can see our weaknesses and our frailties, but God can take that if we're just be willing to say, "Lord, here's what I have. I'm going to bring this. I'll lay this on the table. And I'll put this at your feet." So here's David's band, uh of rejects, and I'm not trying to be crude or crass with that, but they did represent the future of a nation. It didn't look like the future of a nation. But they represented the future of a nation. And God's hand of blessing was upon them. Amen. Listen to just one excerpt from the heart of David during one of, this, one of the darkest times and seasons of his life. I'm going to read from Psalms 142. I hope you brought a lunch because I'm going to read the whole Psalms 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. Amen. I looked I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord. O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Amen. David was just pouring his. That sounds like a pitiful prayer, don't it? My goodness, if you were on the other side of the door, eavesdropping to somebody praying that prayer, you would think, my, 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 I need to go the other way. David said, They have privately laid a snare for me. But he he wrote in another psalm: he said, Lord, let those that laid a snare for me get caught in their own snare. Amen. Let those that dig a ditch fall in their own pit, and those that push a rock uphill, may it come back down on them. Amen. Amen, and so David is saying, Lord, I need you if I've ever, if I've ever, the songwriter said, if we've ever needed the Lord, I sure do need him now. Amen, and so what looked like a cave to most became a divine sanctuary to David. God was going to do something in his life And this was not through a metamorphosis but he knew that the Lord was his portion and he knew the Lord was his refuge and he put his trust there. David knew that God would keep his promises and he knew according to the word of God that he was destined for the throne and he was destined to lead the kingdom. Now he doesn't look too kingly right now and this doesn't look like a kingdom right now. He's down on the lowest of lows but David understood that God had made a promise, hallelujah David took these men misfits, outcasts whatever you want to call them and David began to forge something in their heart and he made of them a mighty promise fighting force. It sounds a little bit like Ezekiel's vision, doesn't it? When the Lord said, speak to the wind, prophesy to nothing, speak to the wind. Amen. And as he looked, bones were everywhere, but the Lord raised up a mighty army among everything that looked over and done. I want to tell you tonight that no matter what the devil tries to point out, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we need to not see us as we may see us, but see us as God sees Jesus. Amen. This is not a cheerleading session. I just want to remind you, you didn't drive to a pep rally tonight, but we're talking about the irrevocable word of the Lord that is forever true, it is forever settled, it doesn't just belong to the ages, it didn't just belong to David, but we can can scratch his name out and we can write our name above that and it is as, as applicable to you and I as it is to anyone in the word of God. Amen, David was in the cave leading 300 men while he was there God was teaching David something sometimes we are very very anxious and sometimes so anxious to get out of the bad spot we're in we can fail to understand that God just may have us there for a reason so while David was in the cave trying to forge something in the heart of these men God had David in the cave trying to forge something in his heart David was becoming a leader like no other and he was learning skills that he would have learned nowhere else. He meant he was going to need this to lead a nation. Every man had a choice to make. Amen. Every one of these men had a choice to make. Every one of these people just like you and I have a choice to make. Amen. The same is true not only for this generation but it will be true for any generation before us. Amen. We've got a choice to stay where we are or we've got a choice to stand up and say God I just want to put my hand in your hand and I want to trust you one step at a time. I want to live for you if I have to live for you one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time, I must cast my lot and believe that you are able to restore into my life everything that may have been lost through time, circumstances, situations in my life. I mentioned it, I think, Sunday, but I just want to read it tonight, Joel 2 and 25 and 26, he said, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and ye shall eat in plenty, and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. Amen. Now look at the latter portion of that. That passage of scripture, he said, and my people shall never be ashamed. Amen. And my people shall never be ashamed. Amen, I want to hold on to that last part. I, I appreciate the restoration of the cankerworm. worm. I appreciate the restoration of the hand of God, but I'm thankful that God can take all of our scars and our past and put them where they belong in the past. The Bible says... Amen, that when, in in the, the book of Genesis, that when the Lord came to visit with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, that the scripture says they were naked and ashamed, so they hid themselves because sin always brings shame. Amen. then sin always brings shame and, so, and shame and so for the first time they saw that they were naked and for the first time they felt shame and for the first time they hid or at least tried to hide from the very presence or visitation from God but they weren't, they were the first to feel that but they certainly weren't the last to feel that. And so many generations of people felt shame and dealt with shame and didn't know how didn't know how to reconcile that shame. And so, according to the law, they kill bullocks and sheep and goats and doves and, and all kinds of things to push their sin and their shame back. Hallelujah. But aren't you thankful for Calvary's cross? because he came to do something about the shame. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, amen endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I have mentioned it many times through the years but when you read the phrase despising the shame that means that He set his foot on or he snuffed out shame. Shame was born in Genesis chapter two, but I'm here tonight to tell you that shame was dealt with in Hebrews 12. Amen, when the Lord, or on the cross really, but Hebrews 12 records it for us, that he took care of shame. I'm gonna tell you that when the devil tries to remind us of our past, we need to realize that the Lord has said of his people that they shall not be ashamed. Hey, We've all got a past. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, we are. Wes, we, we have. We all have a past, but aren't you thankful for what the Lord can bring out? Amen. And it's not what we were when we came in, but it's what we are when we came out. Amen. The, the Bible talks about these men that were distressed. The word here means someone that's oppressed or protected oppressed by an enemy in particular and these men were because when they allied themselves with David they became an instant enemy amen and so when they came to David David took them in but they had a choice to make at some point they had a choice to make they could keep running from the enemy. They could keep running from town to town and from hammock to hammock. I mean, or they could stand with David and they could say, we are on your side. We're casting our lot. Now, it doesn't sound like a hard choice to me. Who wants to live in distress? Who wants to be on the run? Who wants to be pressed by an enemy? Amen, but it's strange how many, how many people sometimes are not willing to give up the things that oppress them. Amen. It's the absolute truth how many people will sit in a church service where the liberating power of the Holy Ghost is moving. I'm going to tell you something. There was a drawing in this building on Sunday morning, second to absolutely none not because of who was preaching, amen, in either service, and not because of who was singing, but because the Spirit of the Lord. There was a drawing, a pulling, amen, of Calvary's cross. There was a pulling, not just for sinners, but there was a pulling for saints, amen. And you know what? Sadly, some decide, I'm just gonna stay right here. I'm comfortable where I am. I wanna just stay in this spirit of oppression. I wanna live beneath my means. I'm not being ugly tonight, but I'm telling you that when the Spirit of the Lord is moving Whatever you do, don't stand there. When the, spirit, when the water is troubled, to use a New Testament example, when the water is troubled, you better step in because that's the time that the healing can take place in our life and we can stir ourselves and be moved by the presence of God. Amen. Sometimes the devil has such a foothold in people's life and all they have to do is just surrender. The way of a transgressor is hard. Amen, but he said take my yoke upon you because it's easy. The hardest thing in the world to ever do is live on the fence. But when you just say this is what I'm going to do, there's something so liberating. I am know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. <laughs> amen because there's, there was that moment in our life where we said you know what I'm casting my lot right here and this is what I'm doing that doesn't mean there hadn't been tough days and there hasn't doesn't mean there wasn't opportunities to throw in the towel turn around and walk the other way but we just cast our lot here and said this is what I'm going to do amen win lose or draw am I preaching to anybody tonight amen so we're just going to hold on to the hand of the Lord and I'm thankful that God has delivered us I'm thankful that I've been delivered from a lot a lot of things, a lot of things that held me back, a lot of things that held me down. I'm thankful for the liberating power of the Lord. Amen. And so we have to fill our lives. It's so important, so important what we fill our lives with. I was, uh, I, I was intrigued by the title of a book a, a few years ago. And uh, I had I had heard the author speak and uh, talk about a little bit of their past and some of the things that they had gone through. And I was intrigued um, uh, somewhat by the story of their life and their past. And, and, um, and, and I realized that somewhere in the course of that, that, that they had at least authored one book. And I began to read this book, and I kid you not, as I began to read this book, I just felt almost a spirit of depression. I'm being very honest, and I thought, you know what? I don't need this. I I don't need this. And 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 and, and maybe if I'd have kept read, reading, reading, if I would have kept reading the book, we might have pulled out of that. But I wasn't gonna hang around to find out. I just thought, I said, like, man, this is discouraging. This is just, wow. I've, you know. Kind of like the guy that stopped to help talk a guy out of jumping off the bridge and after a little while they both jumped. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that guy that went to rescue someone and then the next to you, know, you both sell off. And so, Paul Paul said, that's not a true story. It's just a, just a morbid joke, I guess. But Philippians 4 and 8, there's something to this. This is not a Zig Ziglar approach to living for God. But It is finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report if there be any virtue, if there be any praise think on these things I'm going to tell you when you're in the presence of someone that's always turning things around and always pointing out things that are wrong, you got to get up and do something about that or the next news you know you'll have a seat on that train the next news you'll know you'll be headed to that destination yourself and so you, it's a battle Our the battle today is not on a, a, a field with a sword, the battle Is not out in a pasture somewhere uh, with a sword in our hand or a gun in our hand. The battle is in our mind. Amen, so what you dwell on, that is in time. It's what's going to control you. And so that's why the Bible says that we should take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That doesn't belong in my mind. Now, I don't need to be thinking about that. I've got to think on something else. And there are times we've got to be proactive about that. I'm a little bit off my subject tonight, but let me just stay on this for a moment. Amen, there may be times we've got to get up and just put on some good music amen there may be some times you, if you got a good sermon somewhere on uh, on, on a CD or on a, a, a tablet or a phone or whatever you may listen to it on you need to you might need to plug that in just a moment and just start pushing back some of those negative things start pushing that back amen the Bible says we got to take every thought in amen we got to take it captive to the obedience so if we are a new creation and I believe we are then we need to fill our life with new things with new thoughts with new ways with new New, new priorities, new goals I've got I've to, it's not so important what's here, I've got to be different when I come out of this, amen, and so if we remain idle if we remain idle, or God forbid if we walk back We need to understand that the bondage that we were in, according to the scripture, is going to be seven times worse than it was the first time. Amen. That's why it's important to set your face like Flint and say, I am walking this way. I'm not going that way because there's no room in my life for the enemy to come in. Amen. They had to trust God in this cave. David had nothing to offer them absolutely nothing to offer them he was on the bottom himself but they forged a community of people amen because they were equally committed to the same cause I'm not just talking about a generic white label cause they were committed to the cause of the Lord they looked at God and for God together now that sounds a whole lot like what we find the New Testament church to be in Acts chapter 2 The Bible says in Acts 2 and 44 and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need And this is not, as I've pointed out before, this is not, as some may allude to, a socialistic type of nation or network. By no means. This was a situational thing. It is no more and no less than what we do today. Amen. If somebody is in need, you know what we do. We try our best to come and aid them. We come to their need. Amen. They were just common people. And they were just making sure that I'm not going to have and somebody beside me do without. We're going to make sure and so if somebody is sick in the church you know what uh, my wife and I have both been sick at times and people will, will fix us a little meal and bring it over that's exactly what they were doing in Acts chapter 2 you've prepared some of those meals and you've also probably had meals brought to you amen there are some great men in our church when people have been sick and, and things have have uh, maybe they're just uh, taken off the grid for just a little while that will uh, a short season or whatever will go and help people that's exactly what was happening in Acts chapter number two people came to David amen they came because they were not satisfied with what was going on in the kingdom they were unhappy with what saul where saul was leading them away from the Lord and away from the principles that Samuel had set forth under God's direction. Amen. They were not satisfied sitting under a king that wasn't hearing from God, but had his own agenda. Amen. They were Saul was leading Israel clearly in a state of disobedience and they came to David because they realized this is where my future is. Amen, we're not here tonight because you had nothing else to do. We're not here tonight because you had nowhere else to go. You were afraid of being bored, but you're here tonight because you realize there is a future in the kingdom of God. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen. And God mightily gave them what they were looking for. But life with David wasn't always fun. It took time for them to become an army. It really did. And I believe that every church is what we find in the cave of Adullam. Amen. It is full of people that have come to the Lord because something in their life brought them. In many cases, many, many situations and circumstances... Amen. It may have been some measure of trouble or peril that that ignites a fire in somebody's life and helps them to realize that, man, this is bigger than I am. I've got to find something I need to I need to connect my life to something that is greater than me amen and so that's where people that's where people come together and the church amen we come together i'm thankful for the church it's not perfect amen this church is not perfect no church is perfect no organization is perfect and it's because we're all made up of imperfect imperfect people amen david however when we come together and realize the Great cause of the kingdom, great things can come out of even stressful moments and seasons of our lives. Just last night I was listening to uh, Brother Stan Cook. We've had him here a few times and he was singing the song that Sister Priscilla Magruder and Brother Magruder made popular. It starts out, today I faced a mountain on my own. I could not reach. And so we are compelled when we hear the words of that song. What a beautiful song and beautiful music and, and the lyric. But, but my wife and I were together with Brother and Sister Magruder when Sister Magruder told us how that song was born. And we enjoy hearing the song. But I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't want to have to live through what they were going through to give birth to the song. We've talked about it many, many times. I, I, I don't know what, I was never at their church and don't have any idea what their family center looked like or their gymnasium looked like but I'll never forget her telling the story of walking around that gym that, that morning and she that's when the Lord, because she was praying in a moment of desperation because they were facing some things that are just unthinkable in their life and the Lord, the Lord just began to deal with her and it was a song that blessed and still blesses thousands and tens of thousands of people around the world. I'm gonna tell you that in your darkest hour, God can give birth to something if we can just be still. As a matter of fact, while David was, was in this cave of Abdullam situation. It is where he wrote the 34th Psalm. Amen. How many times did Paul write when he was in prison? How many times did he write when he had been beaten and forsaken and dejected? I'm going to tell you that if we will be still it's not where we are or what we are in now but it's what's going to come out of this. What will we be when we come out on the other side of this? On the run from King Saul. Hold up in a cave. All of these need people came around him and I'm sure I just feel sure in my heart because David was very transparent about his feelings in his writings I just feel that David had to feel vulnerable at times but as he wrote he strengthened himself in the Lord and he wrote these words in Psalms 34 6 and 7 he said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles and the, the, he said, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them, we love to just take our little pocket knife and pen knife out and cut out Psalms 34 and 7 that makes a wonderful little slogan that makes a wonderful little sticker to put on the wall or to frame somewhere and set on a coffee table Amen. Psalms 34 and 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, him, deliver him. But you see, amen, it wasn't a pen penknife. This wasn't just a little saying framed on a nightstand. This wasn't just a friendly reminder that he pulled out of a bread program to read. But this was born in the heat of hell. This was born in the heat of disappointment. Amen. God was with him. In the, when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, in the Old Testament, amen, this speaks about God's visiting presence. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Amen. He doesn't just camp around just to hang out and hold your hand. Doesn't just wipe your brow, pat you on the back, tell you all is well. But the Bible says and delivereth them. The angel of the Lord encamp about them that fear him and delivereth them. I'm going to tell you that when the Lord shows up and he's here tonight, amen, when the Lord shows up in our presence, we when we have a holy visitation of his spirit, he didn't just come to make us feel better about our Wednesday. He didn't just come help us in this day on a high note. He came tonight to deliver us. Yes, he did. Amen. We have to trust him. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. What's more, Psalms 91, my, read that. Read the whole thing. But Psalms 91 says he gave his angels charge over us. Amen. He gave his angels charge over us, concerning us. Lest we dash our foot against a stone, they would be there to bear us up. Amen. My Lord, it's hard to read Psalms 91 and not feel a spirit of freedom and liberty and hope come out. Amen. Hebrews 1 and 14 talks about ministering spirits that are sent to minister to those who will inherit salvation. I'm thankful tonight, amen, that when we need a ministering spirit to come in our life, I'm thankful that the Lord has our address. He has a key to our door. He has a key to our heart. And I'm thankful that he can walk in and minister to those. Amen, he's ministered to me on many times. Amen, I don't doubt God's presence. I, I really don't doubt God's presence. And I trust God That when I'm going through things, it's all going to work out. Amen. I'm I'm looking at the big picture here. When we're in the middle of things, I I don't doubt God's presence. And I know that things are going to work out. But there are times in those seasons that we just need to hear a voice from the Lord. We just need an assurance. And you know what? That is the beauty of the church. Just one little sliver of the beauty of the church because oftentimes that assuring voice that we need comes through the vehicle of the church. Amen. That's where you come in. That's where I come in, the church. David was hiding from Saul in a cave. And then these men gathered themselves, and David didn't realize it at the time, but in all honesty, he needed them <laughs> as much as they needed him. He was training them, but they were strengthening him. I have printed this off many times for some of you, You may people through the years, some of you may be here tonight. Don't look this up now, please promise me that. But there's an article entitled Push Against the Rock. Push Against the Rock. It's a worthy read. It's, just a, just, it's an easy read, just a, just a page or so. But you see, sometimes when we are pushing against something and we feel like we're making no headway at all, God is still doing something. Whether we can measure that or not. You got it. Push right. Against the Rock. <laughs> I see and feel the wheels turning. That's all right, Amen. But this is the church, the church that touches us and reaches us. It's it's not a building that we go to. Church is not a meeting that we attend. It's not a club we join. It's not none of the above. But it's an army of God's people that stand together, Amen. Protecting, supporting. Now, I want to I want to close with a a few words and a perhaps um, certainly something that I've mentioned before in time in times past, but you know brother Tenney says used to say that um something like every every bug draws its own, every light draws its own bugs, and he had ten thousand more of, of those. <laughs> Birds of a feather flock together. And we've heard those sayings, and we sort of understand at least, I think in part what that means. And so I want to, as we close, I want to go all the way back to verse number one, and I want us to consider David in the cave of Abdullam alone. And then we know others begin to join him, but when he was alone, before his family came, before these men began to come in. Let's go all the way back to David alone in the cave at his lowest ebb. And here's we find David, a wounded man, a broken man. And you know, whatever's inside of us is going to come out. And so if we think about that physically, that's easy enough to understand that what's on the inside has the ability to come out. But the point I would like to make before we leave tonight is that our spirit is no different. That whatever is inside us can come out. You may not be able to see it with your eyes, but it's there. And I believe, and and, and I truly believe that that what was in the heart of David, the spirit of David, perhaps as obvious as the physical, maybe the spiritual in the same sense, that it was something in the spirit of David that drew these men to him. And we need to be very careful about, we ought to take a, inventory perhaps of the kind of people that are drawn to us because if if we're not careful we can attract the wrong company Mm -hmm. so we have to be very careful when we're going through things That we don't lend ourselves to the wrong voice. I've watched people through the years that have gone through distressing times and and, and if you're not careful, the enemy can take advantage of those moments. And if we allow those things to go unchecked, we can draw people to us that may not have our best interest in mind. I understand the camaraderie of when someone has gone through something and somebody else has gone through the same thing there's a common denominator there I understand that But if I could just use an absurd perhaps example to draw a point if the hospital was just full of sick and dying people it would just be a potential in an eventual morgue. So thankfully, while the sick folk may be in the rooms, there's some well people walking the hall. Amen. So if you are in the bed with pneumonia and somebody in the next room comes over and says, I have pneumonia too you're just going to die together. You need someone in your life that doesn't have pneumonia, has an understanding of it, and knows what it takes to combat it. And I've watched people through the years go through things, and they emanate a spirit that draws people to them. And after a while, they can each sink their own boat we need somebody in our life. I hope this is making sense. We need somebody in our life, amen, that, that, would, that would help us where we are. David had the good sense not to allow these men to take control spiritually. Amen. He had a walk with God. He was in a bad spot with himself, but he had a relationship with God. Amen. I'm thankful that there was, I believe that there was something in the spirit of David that eased out of that cave, that emanated out of that cave. He brought men to him that had problems of plenty, but I believe they had the spirit of David. I believe there was something in them that was pure, or they could have never been forged into an army. They could have never been forged into what God wanted them to be. Amen. I pray that the Lord would help us. That when we're walking through valleys of despair, we'll guard our heart and we'll guard our mind. I don't need everybody to always agree with me because I'm not always right. You don't need everybody to always agree with every little thought you have and every little thing you say because you're not always right. We need somebody that has the right spirit to come along beside us and lift us up because it's not what goes into the cave that's going to matter. It's what comes out of that cave that's truly going to count. Amen. Let's stand. Can we do that? You've been so very, very kind. Amen. We have to make a choice. We have, there comes a time that we have to make a choice. And we say, Lord, I want you to help me because I've got to come out of this different. I've got to come out of this better. I've got to come out of this on top. So we encourage one another. And the church, just like a cave, the church was, and this cave was not a pleasant place to be in the beginning and there are times that, the, that as a church we are fighting together a very spiritual battle. Amen. So we got to stay together and understand the value and the promises of God that are yea and amen. God said it and it is settled. And so in the church, in this church, God can weld us together and forge something in our heart. We may come in one way, and we all came in a different route. We all came in one way, but I believe we all go out a different way and change by the grace of God. I'm thankful that the that the Spirit of the Holy Ghost is a change agent. Amen. It's a changing agent. We are changed by the power of God, by the presence of God, and by the Spirit of God. Lord, I love. You.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m and our Wednesday night service at 7:30 pm. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386. 386-